He was born into slavery. He was taken by holy warriors. He was told to leave attachment behind. He was expected to obey. He did not listen. Canadian artist Chris Woods presents his new series of epic paintings titled Sandstorm. Inspired by the events of the original Star Wars trilogy, Sandstorm steps into the black metal boots of cinema's most notorious villain and reveals how he felt. Mr. Woods needs your support in executing this amazing new series coming to the Reach Gallery Museum in Abbotsford, B.C. for the summer of 2013. Please visit indiegogo.com slash sandstorm for details. Even the Dark Lord himself might say this about the series. Impressive. Most impressive. Indiegogo.com slash sandstorm. Sometimes two heads aren't better than one. I'm Kevin Leeson. If I'm ever a POW, I hope I can bring my dog along. I'm Joe Fulgen. It's a dog-eat-baby-face world out there. I'm Torn Atkinson, and this is Caustic Soda. Bam! Dogs. Is this the Dogs of Death, Doom, and Destruction episode? Among other things, yeah. Hmm. The domestic dog, Canis lupus familiaris, is a subspecies of the gray wolf, Canis lupus. The dog may have been the first animal to be domesticated and has been the most widely kept working hunting and pet animal in human history. What do you think it was that got them uh, on the list, got them to the top of the domesticated list? Was it because just one of them, a wolf followed somebody home one day and they went, eh, it's not so bad. Actually, there's a lot of argument and discussion among scientists about this, about when the dog was first domesticated. Uh, We've done a lot of DNA evidence. There's a lot of arguing by biologists and stuff about when this happened. It seems like at least about 33,000 years ago, we were domesticating dogs, uh, domesticating wolves to use as companions and, uh, and hunters. However, it looks like the current lineage of dogs... Modern dog as we know the it. Modern dog as we know it came from around 15,000 years ago. So those ones from 33,000 years ago died off without having had puppies that ended up becoming the, the forebears missing, of our current dogs. The missing dog link, so to speak. Uh, yeah, exactly. Or yeah, the, the missing line. Like they're kind of like the Neanderthal of the dogs, Ooh, right? Yeah. Where they were, they were another breed that was similar, but Canis Neanderthalus. Yeah. I think we have another Jurassic Park movie coming. <laughs> Dogs valued early human hunter-gatherers led them to quickly become ubiquitous across world cultures. The article I saw said that while there were these many different domestication incidents that popped up and then died out, the one about 15,000 years ago seemed to have been incredibly successful and ended up spreading to every human culture. It took. Yeah, it took. I think that's around the time that dogs developed that hangdog look, that big wide-eyed look up at your master. And they just went, oh, <laughs> cannot resist. I cannot, I can't fight that look. Yeah. I know that chows or, are or, one of the earliest breeds. Or they perfected this move. Like that sound. Maybe they dogs perfected that it sound. It was a combo, the eyes and the, and the whimper. Yeah. Again, there's also a lot of discussion over how this happened, whether or not mankind said, hey, those things would probably be useful if we go and make them work for us, or if... You know, humans just started to have campfires and the wolves would hang out around the outside and humans would throw a little bit bit of meat at them. And over generations of dogs, the The ones that didn't attack them weren't killed. Right, exactly. Any that attacked them were killed. Any that weren't would then survive to breed. And eventually these wolves around the campfires would just become more and more friendly. Or you were in like a tent or a hovel or whatever and you woke up and there was a wolf snuggled in next to you for body heat, right? And then you're just like, uh... Pet? <laughs> <laughs> Just good wolfie. That good was... wolfie so you don't get your face chewed off. Yeah. And uh, then, then it gave you the hangdog look and boom, pet. As a matter of fact, body warmth is one of the things that Australian Aboriginals use dogs for. And that leads to the term three dog night to oh. describe a very cold evening. Oh, I love that. Meaning you need three dogs to stay warm in bed. <laughs> I do too. I've, I've heard of three dog night, you know, my entire life. Uh, 
the band. The band, and they were like the favorite band of Buck Rogers in that mm-hmm. terrible 80s Buck Rogers TV show, <laughs> which even in the 80s was outdated. Yeah. <laughs> Most breeds of modern dogs are only about a few hundred years old, having been artificially selected for particular morphologies, meaning body shapes yeah. and looks, and behaviors by people for specific functional roles. An inbred like hell. To show you some of the difference in dog morphology... Uh, height measured to the withers, which is the shoulder blades, the front oh shoulder God. blades, mm-hmm. ranges from six inches in the Chihuahua to two and a half feet in the Irish Wolfhound. So just uh, from this one descendant from, or from these, w- these groups of descendants from the, the common wolf. You've got the mini and the maxi dogs. You've got mm-hmm. little tiny dogs that breed little tiny dogs and look a certain way. And you've got these huge dogs with long hair and everything they're, in between. They're like snowflakes. Everyone, Everyone is, is different. different. And they melt in your mouth. Mm-hmm. Zorba was a Mastiff, an English Mastiff from London, and he's recognized by the Guinness Book of World Records as the heaviest dog in the world at over 343 pounds. That's 156 kilograms. 346 pounds? 43 pounds. Uh... Zorba stood 37 inches, that's 94 centimeters at the shoulder, and was 8 foot 3 inches from the tip of his nose to the tip of his tail. What? That weight is 23 of my dog. 8 feet long? Like, this thing was a bull. This is an actual, oh my god, this is unbelievable. He's huge. (laughs) We'll put the poster on on the picture on CausticSodaPodcast.com. Absolutely. Wow. You gotta take a dump truck. To the park with you when that one when he when he take him for a walk. <laughs> He's got a five pound poo. You got the like red rider wagon behind you. You just load it up <laughs> with, with manure. Just attach it to his tail so it drops right in it yeah. no matter what he does. Yeah, he's no. hauling it behind him. I think if you have that dog, you don't bother picking up the poo and you don't care who complains about it. <laughs> You're like, uh, look at my dog. Oh, what if he humps your leg? Ooh. I, I don't think he's pe- capable of that. He would hump your entire body. Yeah, no, uh, he would hump somebody to death. He could conceivably hump someone to death. From an article in Life magazine, July 20th, 1959. Okay. You know, Russian scientists, they're crazy, right? Uh Uh-huh. So if you were a crazy Russian scientist and you had a big dog and you had a little dog, what would you do with them? If I had a big dog and a little dog and I'm a crazy Russian scientist, I would launch them into space. Oh, okay. I'm sure they did that. I would fuse the little dog on top of the big dog to make it look like they were riding. Ah, nice. Like, sew them together. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. yeah, you could do that and make it even worse so that you actually cut off the like more than the bottom half of the little dog and then graft its entire body onto the big dog's head, including into the pulmonary system, so that its heart, the one heart, was feeding the brains of both dogs. That's what they did. What? There's the picture. That is what they did. So they sewed the front oh half <laughs> of a little dog onto the neck, onto the of, neck the of a big dog. dog. Now yep. twice the cute. Dr. Vladimir Petrovich Demikov said the little dog was a nine-year-old bitch named Shavka. Shavka, he explained, will be cut out for the part of the guest head. The host is over there. <laughs> he pointed the, uh, to the operating table where a large mongrel lay limp under narcosis. Around its neck and shoulders was a close-shaved area similar to the band around Shavka's middle. Uh-huh. How long did this dog survive? I wonder if Shavka is Russian for what? Ah! <laughs> Uh, I don't know what Shavka means, but they called the big dog Brodyaga, which means tramp, because they just found him on the streets. Ah, got it. Uh, first, they made an incision. <laughs> this is what happens when you don't have your dog license on you yeah, in Russia. Right. Yeah, this is take dog catcher to a whole other level. First, they made an incision at the base of the large dog's neck, exposing the jugular vein, the aorta, and a segment of the spinal column. Next, they drilled two holes in the bony parts of one vertebra and threaded two plastic strings, one red and one white, through each of the holes. This part of the operation took 40 minutes. Oh, quick. Yeah. Oh, I th- you'd think, well, I guess you don't have to take a lot of real care and attention no. when, you're, when you're doing a horrible experiment. If your patient doesn't survive, there's two more dogs in the next room. Yeah, yeah. you can find a couple more uh, street dogs. That's right. Shavka's limp form was placed on the operating table along- alongside Brodyaga. Goryanov made the incision, carefully rolling back Shavka's skin. Then he and Demikov, deftly wielding the scalpel needle and thread, proceeded with infinite pains. I don't know if it was infinite. <laughs> infinite pains? <laughs> Nah. Yeah, yeah. To expose the small blood vessels, drawing a tight knot of thread around each one in turn as they carved gradually deeper into Shavka's vitals. Finally, Demikov severed the spinal column. So they basically amputated the top half of this dog yes. completely off it, uh-huh. and then brought it over to the larger dog where yes. they had made an incision and They'd pulled out a bunch of the aorters and veins and things like that. And then they stitched up the arteries and veins. What so the, the, so the hearts were connected. Uh, the heart was connected, but... 
I even have a diagram of how the plumbing works. Okay, but could it eat? Oh, there you go. They have video and photos of the bigger dog drinking water. Right. And then they have the same of the smaller dog drinking water. However, his plumbing was not hooked up to anything. So it just keeps coming out of so the ears. So it just came out. No, he... <laughs> <laughs> they took his, uh, his gastrointestinal plumbing and just put them into plastic tubes. So he would drink it and it would just pour out his bottom, oh, like out this plastic tube on the bottom. Oh, I know. Uh, these dogs lasted four days. Okay. Like okay. Hold on a sec. Did uh, what was the purpose of this experiment? Science, just, science, just science to, is its own reward. Is it the old like why did you climb Mount Everest because it was there? It was why did you why did you two? fuse graph two dogs because we didn't have three? <laughs> yeah. Oh, they had three. I think that I think oh. those what might not have worked because we ran out of time. Maybe he was just a super big fan of the Cerberus story. It could be so, right. He's like, uh, he figured in his megalomaniac way that if he completed this, he would become a Greek god. <laughs> he would like fly to Mount, he would be uh, transported to Mount Olympus. Demikov's work, while aesthetically disturbing and undoubtedly shocking, if Peta was around in the 1950s, they would have burned down his house, led to major gains in organ transplant research without compromising human health. His experiments, especially the organ transplants, he was the first to successfully complete both heart and lung transplants in animals, paved the way for the human version, leading to a procedure that has clearly saved countless lives over the ensuing decades. Yeah, because now I know if I need to graft my head into someone else's body... I will live for four days. It four more done. days. And think of what you could do with those four days. You're grafted onto... Whose body would you want to be grafted onto? Oh, do I, I can choose amongst everyone in the whole world? Sure, why not? Philip Seymour Hoffman. Really? Why is that? Because you enjoy his craft <laughs> that much? Right. You like This is the way he works a ton, so you're going to get on camera? I'm assuming way? he's going to get into some movie be, while I'm on, while I'm of attached course. to him. Yeah, because he works 365 days out of the year. Like He never takes a break. Here's a video of a couple of the dogs with uh, two heads drinking some water. Did one of the dogs die first? Or I don't did they have die that data. I don't know. The, how sad would it be if the little dog died first? Yeah. Of course, it doesn't have any gastrointestinal. It will starve to death. It'll die first. No, and how tragic big... would it be if the big dog died first <laughs> and the little dog just trying to break free? <laughs> Terrible. In the science department, I had the Dunbar dog bite scale. Do you want to do that as a pop quiz? Yeah, let's do a little a short, very short pop quiz. So named because there's a guy named Dunbar who got bit and he went, how severe is this bite? Him and his buddies were out drinking going, I got bit by a dog twice as bad as that. No, you didn't. Let's create a scale. <laughs> That's right. They had a series of dog bites. Yeah. Uh, this is Dr. Ian Dunbar's dog bite scale from the Associative Pet Dog Trainers in okay. uh, South Carolina. Ooh, I did the wrong accent. Yep. All right. It's, there are six levels. I'll tell you what the... Oh, it's like the Fujita scale. Or degrees. You say that about every... <laughs> but it is. Because they're always out of like five or six for some reason. I always pick a weirdo number. Like what was... There was one that was out of eight. I'm like, why can't everything be out of 10? Get with metric, people. One to four punctures from a single bite with at least one puncture deeper than half the length of the dog's canine teeth. What level is that? That sounds pretty serious. I'm out of six. I'm going to go four. I'm going to say three. It is four. Oh. All right. Skin contact by teeth, but no skin puncture. Uh, that's one. I guess it has to be. I can't imagine less. No, that's level two. What's one? What? What? The dog thinks about biting you? <laughs> yes. Obnoxious or aggressive behavior, but no skin contact by teeth. Oh, so it just like it's not, it oh, snarls so at so you. So it snaps at you and misses. Yeah, I guess so. Oh, so this isn't really the bite scale. <laughs> this is the... Uh, the aggression. The guilty mind scale. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So the one is not only the level that it's at, it's also the number that it rolled to hit. I guess so, yeah. <laughs> Victim dead. I've got uh, six? Six is correct. Yeah. <laughs> level three being one to four punctures from a single bite, but no puncture deeper than half the length of the dog's canine teeth. Okay. And level five being multiple bite incident with at least two level four bites or multiple attack incident with at least one level four bite in each. There you go. There's not a lot of scale between five and six. Like, you can get bit a bunch of times, or you die. Yeah, yeah I, what, if, what if you just... Number five seems to cover a lot of territory. Because four is one bite, six is dead. Could you... Number five takes a great deal. He, imagine the dog just creating this scale, and he just got lazy. So right? I wonder if, if a dog just barks at you and, and snaps and tries to tries to bite you, doesn't make contact... But you die from a heart attack. Is that still level six <laughs> on the dog bite scale? I think that would be uh, that would be the heart attack scale. It would be a six. Oh, okay. And on the dog That's bite scale, one. one. Okay. We can have multiple scales going on. Yeah. All right. 
Yeah, I got a feeling like this doctor just got he he took a lot of care and attention with one through four and just kind of mailed five in. <laughs> a bunch of shit happens that's worse than all the other ones. Yeah, and then the next one is your dad. <laughs> Precisely. It's like he just ran. He wanted to get to ten. He just was like, oh god, I don't want to create. Well, I put this to you then. Yeah. Fill in uh, six through ten. Change death change the six to a 10 make it the metric scale you want to and fill in the rest of those numbers mm-hmm. you know what it's going to end up being because i'm just as lazy as this doctor is <laughs> it's going to be two bytes is level five three bytes is level six, <laughs> yeah four bytes is level seven but you got something bites for the is level severity eight. of the bite so, all level fours right Ooh, so it's just no, multiple you know, you, fours no or you could do mixes you could do like oh uh one level f- more than one level four is a five then a level two level fours and a level three is a six, right? It makes it match. Just stop paying attention. I, I think you should want at a certain <laughs> level. You should just once it starts like actually taking flesh out, you should just measure by the volume of flesh. Oh yeah, the, oh, the pound of the, the the weight of the blood and yeah. the, the volume of blood and yeah. gore. Yeah, the, the complicated formula. Well, everyone talks about the pit bulls as like one of the most dangerous dog breeds. Yeah. They do. They automatically jump to the leap yeah. to the forefront of your mind when you think of the most caustic of dogs you can think of. Which looking up on the stats that they have, most of, like I looked at the list of fatalities in 2012. Yep. And by and large, most of them are from pit bulls. But I also listened to uh, the podcast Skeptoid. Mm -hmm. And they said there's really not a lot of data as uh, it didn't really take into account what the dog owners are like. Yeah, sure. I like mean, pit bull yeah. owners versus that is other dog owners. What pit bull apologists say and stuff like that. I mean, like any any breed where multiple multiple municipalities are actually banning them from the city limits. I mean, I I look forward to us being banned somewhere someday. You know, so <laughs> caustic soda. Yeah, you know, uh, we, we, gonna... we wish we could be as like you know controversial as the pit bull. When we make a caustic soda bite severity list, it'll be out of uh, ten. Yeah, that'll <laughs> be out of ten. Yeah. Bitten by just Torin, that's about a two. <laughs> I don't know. I'm going to say you've one... got the stronger jaw, so I'm about a three, and you're about a four or five. No, I think I think number one is Joe nibbles on your neck. <laughs> oh, that's a negative one because the severity of the bite is is badness, and so negative one would be goodness. Yeah, there you go. Just spend two two days in hospital from the hickey complication. <laughs> Doxioned means badger dog in German. Oh, because they're like cylindrical, so they can go into badger holes or something? Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay, I like that. And any canine bred for the purpose of dealing with such a beast is no joke. A badger is a fierce enemy, pound for pound, one of the most dangerous creatures on Earth. Oh, yeah. The dachshund had to match it in intensity to have any chance of surviving an encounter. Often ridiculed as a wiener dog, its somewhat clownish physiology allows it to pursue its quarry into underground burrows. Generally weighing under 30 pounds, the dachshund is willful and snappish. And various studies have shown it to be more prone to violence against people and other animals than either Rottweilers or pit bulls, some showing it to be the most aggressive of all dogs. The problem is, is that its capacity is yeah, so low. That's the thing. I, I think all dogs are capable of being assholes. Absolutely. <laughs> like, let's just call them that. Just like, like people and bees. That's yeah. right. If a person bit me, he would be an asshole. Yeah. So dog is an asshole for biting me. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just, yeah, these pit bulls and, and even Rottweilers, who I think are wonderfully sweet dogs, if they snap and any, like uh, humans kill humans, right? We're not banning humans. Yeah. And I think, what have we got? 30 fatal dog attacks in the United States. And I think 18 of them are pit bull types. Right. That's so far this year. So in uh, basically in human terms, if you're in a bar and somebody tries to pick a fight with you and it's like that 95-pound guy who has just you know, got something to prove, a little Napoleon complex, <laughs> he can be our dachshund. And the other, if a, if, a, if an MMA cage fighter, yeah. he's the pit bull. He right. may not. And if you get in this bar fight, yeah. you don't report when you get beat up by the nerd. <laughs> Yeah, scrawny nerd, but right. you do report when you get beat up by the biker. Yeah, right. This is why the list is about fatalities. Yeah. I mean, if we start getting into dog attacks, I, I think absolutely you get nipped by your dog or somebody's dog. If it doesn't cause damage, you don't report it. People I mean, have a tendency to report fatalities. Is that what you're saying, Joe? I could. No, no. Yeah, exactly. It, fatality, you get all the data. It's, nobody gets so embarrassed that a dachshund killed them that they don't report. The, <laughs> no, that'd be awesome. Somebody's like brother is like burying him in the backyard. It's like, I can't let him. I can't let them be know that he was killed by a wiener dog. <laughs> maybe it's that's, too much to bear. Maybe that's the terrible secret about these stats is they all say pit bull. That's right. But they were all wiener yeah, dogs. Yeah, yeah. There's a guy laid out on the front lawn. He's like, it was a, uh, it was a pit bull. A pit bull. Yeah, yeah, pit bull. yeah, pit bull. You know those pit bulls. Bite marks are awfully small. He was taking little nibbles. He's being a total jerk about it. <laughs> he was torturing him. He, I, he was torturing. He was doing the dog equivalent of laughing. <laughs> 
<laughs> I think we might just have blown the lid off of this. This is uh, we need a, a royal commission. We need a, 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 a coroner's inquiry. Now moving on to the Chow. Okay. One of the most primitive dog breeds on Earth. Although it has a cuddly bear or leonine appearance, it is naturally very aggressive and unpredictable. I have lots of anecdotal evidence of that. Deep-set sunken eyes lend the Chow a very limited peripheral vision, making it easy to startle. It is intensely loyal to its master and suspicious of strangers. Weighing up to 70 pounds, the purple-tongued Chow was used for hunting and guarding in its native China and was also frequently eaten. Oh, that would put you on edge. Hence the name Chow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Hence the name Chow. Chow's on! <laughs> <laughs> The Cocker Spaniel is an extremely sensitive breed, often bordering on outright neurotic. Did you just say the Cocker Spaniel is sensitive? Yes, I did. <laughs> extremely sensitive. <laughs> Socialization is integral for Cockers, but even the best training cannot overcome the genetic rage syndrome that they are known for. Genetic but rage only them, syndrome? Not pit bulls. Pit bulls are sweethearts. <laughs> Spaniels with rage syndrome will lash out ferociously without any provocation. Moments later, they return to their normal, placid self, seemingly with no recollection of the attack. Hmm. There is no cure for rage syndrome, although anti-epilepsy medications have occasionally proven effective. Genetic <laughs> rage syndrome. Okay, I, I'm just disturbed by the fact that there is actually dog anti-epilepsy pills that you can actually get anti-epileptic medication for your Cocker Spaniel. That that exists, that somebody spent time and energy and money researching and developing pharmaceuticals for epileptic dogs you're heartless <laughs> whatever i've been bitten by two dogs in my life mm -hmm. oh wow one of those was a doberman pincher which i have the scar right here oh wow oh, that's to a prove. Good one. how old were you when that happened uh probably like 10 or 11 or something oh, like that. okay and uh you were poking it with a stick you were uh... i was basically poking it with a stick okay all right <laughs> so... it was actually a blind doberman pincher oh even and... better you're my... po you're poking a disabled dog with a stick we didn't actually touch it but we right. were definitely teasing it we were basically calling it around and trying to get it to find us and then at the end of the day uh -huh. It had enough. Uh, we were just about to leave. I finally actually touched the dog, like patted, so, so patted, it, patted it on its back. So, so it, knew it turned where you its were. blind eyes towards me and then lunged. <laughs> yeah. And I'm sure if it had eyes, it would have gone for my throat. <laughs> yes. And rightfully so. Yeah. So I think I got like four stitches or something like that on okay, my Okay. All right. Oh, so wow. uh, well deserved. Where was the other one? Uh, the other one was on my leg by a chihuahua. Oh, nice. Like three weeks ago. Oh, three weeks in the ago. parking lot of my apartment building. <laughs> and how did it get, like, on your ankle? Yeah. Or yeah. It, it just like, came really up to me and bit me. It bit you on the ankle. Yeah. Did did it, from did behind, it present, or? Did it do a threat display first, or it just oh, out it of was nowhere? Just, bah, 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 bah. Yeah. It was, like, at my feet. I just kept walking, because yeah. it was a fucking chihuahua, and I don't give a shit. <laughs> and it bit me. And, and I uh, still kept on walking, because it was a chihuahua, and I didn't give a shit. <laughs> so you didn't punt it? No. Yeah. The owners were standing right next to it, basically. I I think uh, I think you would have been justified kicking it. I didn't even bother to give him the stink eye because <laughs> just wanted to go. I just wanted. To, I, I wish you were really flexible, so you could have lifted up your leg with it, chomped onto your ankle, <laughs> and put it in their face and gone. Is this yours? <laughs> War dogs. Is this the sequel to that terrible movie War Horse? Oh man, it would be so much more interesting though. <laughs> it couldn't be worse than that stupid movie. <laughs> well, all horses can do really stand around and like and snort and stomp their feet. Yeah, dogs can act. Dogs can uh, dogs can sit. They can whimper. They can look sad. They can look happy. They can look playful. They can just because do you don't understand things. the the language of the horse, the okay. intricacy <laughs> of horse culture. I'm willing to take that as a given, but I'm saying that most humans don't either, and that's why Warhorse sucked. <laughs> Fair enough. In ancient times, dogs, often large mastiff or molosser type breeds, would be sent into battle to attack the enemy. This strategy was used by various civilizations, such as the Romans and the Greeks. The Roman attack dogs were given metal armor covered in razor-sharp spikes designed to force the enemy out of formation. Oh, that's pretty awesome. So razor-sharp charging dogs who yeah. could, like, actually bite your ankle and whatnot. Back in the days when, like, uh, you know, sepsis and uh, infection and stuff mm -hmm. like that could, like, totally take you out, right? The Spanish conquistadors used armored dogs that had been trained to kill and disembowel uh, the indigenous people. Well, they had it coming too, what with them being on that Spanish land for all those exactly. hundreds and hundreds of years. Yeah, the Pope said so. Dogs have been used in psychological torture against prisoners of war. Former U.S. Army interrogator Tony Leguranis recalled his use of dogs in Iraq. 
We were using dogs in the detention facility at the Mosul airport. We would put the prisoner in a shipping container. We would keep him up all night with music and strobe lights, stress positions, and then we would bring in dogs. The prisoner was blindfolded, so he didn't really understand what was going on. Uh, but we had the dog controlled. I've got some interesting information on anti-tank dogs as well. Oh, see, I'm trying to think of how dogs would be anti-tank with all that armor, and it's, it's well, a very already, sad picture I'm generating in my yeah. head. We've already had bunker-busting suicide Rottweilers. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I think it would probably be in the same vein. Mm-hmm. Anti-tank dogs were dogs taught to carry explosives to tanks, armored vehicles, and other military targets. They were intensely trained by the Soviet and Russian military forces between 1930 and 1996 and used in 1941 to 1942 against German tanks in World War II. German shepherd dogs were favored for the program for their physical abilities and ease of training, but other breeds were used as well. Again, it's the two birds with one stone. You got mm-hmm. the, the, how ironic that the German shepherd was taking out German tanks. The original idea was for a dog to carry a bomb strapped to its body and reach a specific static target. The dog would then release the bomb by pulling with its teeth a self-releasing belt and return to the operator. Okay. The bomb could then be detonated either by a timer or remote control, though the latter was too rare and expensive at the time to be used. A group of dogs practiced this for six months, but the report showed that no dogs could master the task. They performed well on a single target, but became confused after the target or location was changed and often returned to the operator with the bomb unreleased, (laughs) which in a live situation would have killed both the dog and the operator. So, Mm. all right. Okay. So uh, we tried to preserve the dog. That didn't work. Uh, Moving on to step two. Uh, Let's graft extra heads. (laughs) So that they can uh, So they can handle multiple targets. They can handle multiple targets simultaneously. This is obviously where this plan (laughs) dovetailed nicely with the uh, military and scientific Mm -hmm. branches. Continual failures brought about a simplification. The bomb was fastened on the dog and detonated upon contact with the target, killing the animal. Dogs were trained by being kept hungry and their food was placed under tanks. The tanks were at first left standing still, then they had their engines running, which was further combined with sporadic blank shot gunfire and other battle-related distractions. This routine aimed to teach the dogs to run under the tanks in battlefield situations. Each dog was fitted with a 25-pound mine carried in two canvas pouches adjusted individually to each dog. Uh-huh, of course. The so mi- some dogs can carry more than others. Absolutely. The mine had a safety pin. I want to see the Chihuahua version of this. <laughs> the mine had a safety pin, which was removed right before the deployment. A wooden lever extended out of a pouch to about 20 centimeters in height. When the dog dived under the tank, the lever struck the bottom of the tank and detonated the charge. Because the chassis was the most vulnerable area of these vehicles, it was hoped the explosion would get the vehicle. So uh, what was the verdict? Did it uh, have a great deal of success? The I, fact that we've never seen a movie about no. this means probably not. No. Yeah, it was actually only used for like a year. Yeah. So obviously. And they probably spent six months training the dogs. Yeah, exactly. And then they had a uh, whole other batch ready to go when they... And the U.S. military trained anti-tank dogs in 1943 for use against fortifications, but never deployed them. Oh, you didn't just strap one to uh, the fat man and little boy before they, uh... <laughs> the nuclear dog. Yeah, the nuclear dog. And this giant Godzilla-like <laughs> dog comes out of the crater. That <laughs> was like a flashback to the Hulk movie with those giant mutated poodles. Oh God, yeah. <laughs> I have a story about one particular uh, war dog, although she was actually uh, a mascot. But a really yeah. interesting story, Judy was a purebred liver and white pointer, and she was born in the Shanghai Dog Kennels in 1937 and presented to the Royal Navy as a mascot at a young age. In February 1942, Judy's ship, the HMS Grasshopper, was attacked by fighter bombers and was forced onto the beach on a nearby island. This is what kind of a vehicle? She was a locust-class gunboat. Oh, there you go. (laughs) Locust-class. There you go. (laughs) Nah, was it all coming together for you, Kevin? Oh... The island, known as Sinkep Island, turned out to be uninhabited with little food and no apparent water. Judy appeared two days after the beaching, covered in oil, and began to dig at the shoreline. It took a couple of minutes, but Judy managed to unearth a freshwater spring and is credited with saving everyone's lives. Oh. The crew, along with Judy, commandeered a Chinese junk and managed to sail to Sumatra. They then embarked on a 200-mile cross-country trek across the island in an, att- in an attempt to reach Padang, several miles from their destination. Judy they w- was eaten. They walked into... Oh. <laughs> For lack of food. For lack of food. They walked the into a Japanese-held village and were captured. Oh. <laughs> 
The crew became prisoners of war and smuggled Judy along with them, hidden under empty rice sacks for five days during the journey to the Glorgoer prisoner of war camp in Medan. Once Judy arrived in the Medan camp, she met leading aircraftman Frank Williams, who adopted her and shared his daily handful of rice from August 1942 onwards. In the camp, Judy would intervene by distracting the guards when they were administering punishment. She was the only animal to have been officially registered as a prisoner of war, call back to our POW episode, during the Second World War. After Frank Williams' intervention to protect the dog from the guards, who would often threaten to shoot Judy as the dog growled and barked at them, Williams managed to convince the camp commandant, who was drunk on sake, to sign the (laughs) registration papers with the promise of one of Judy's future puppies. (laughs) Judy's official prisoner of war name was 81A Glorgora Madan. During her stay at the camp, she would alert the prisoners to the approach of the Japanese guards and also if other animals such as snakes or scorpions were around. Oh, that's useful. In June of 1944, they were transferred to Singapore on a boat. Dogs were not allowed on board, but Frank Williams managed to teach Judy to lie still and silent inside a rice sack. When he boarded the ship, Judy climbed into a sack and Williams slung it over his shoulder to take on board. For three hours, the men were forced to stand on deck in the searing heat, and for the entire time, Judy remained still and silent in the bag on Williams' neck. There were more than 700 prisoners on the cramped boat. On the 26th of June, the ship was torpedoed. Williams pushed Judy out of a porthole in an attempt to save her life. He made his own escape from the ship, not knowing if Judy had survived. He was recaptured and was sent to a new camp without news of Judy's, Judy's survival. However, stories began being told of a dog helping drowning men reach pieces of debris on which to hold, and others recalled how the dog would bring them flotsam to keep them afloat. The dog would also allow men to hold onto her back while swimming to safety. You know, I don't like picking up my dog's doo-doo. Yeah. <laughs> Being free and outdoors. I can't imagine doing it in a POW. <laughs> yeah. Although, by the same token, if half of these stories are true, she kind of earned it. This is one of those moments where you're like, okay, all right, I can see. Yes, we'll pick. I'll pick up your poo. Does that mean if I, if you ever save my life, you're going to make me pick up your poo for the rest of my well, days? Maybe not before this very moment, but now, yeah, <laughs> hell yeah. Oh, damn it! So Williams had given up hope of finding Judy, but as soon as he arrived in the camp, he was flattened by a scraggly dog, and it was Judy. There she had go. made her way to the POW camp with the rest of the POWs and rejoined, recognized him and rejoined him. They spent a year in Sumatra. Then finally the war ended and they were sent back home. Judy was awarded the Dickin Medal, which is the animal's version of the Victoria Cross <laughs> in May 1946. They have that? Yes. This is worse than <laughs> epileptic medication for freaking Cocker Spaniels. Oh, he wears it with pride. <laughs> She was enrolled in the Returned British POW Association as the association's only canine member. Her citation reads, For magnificent courage and endurance in Japanese prison camps, which helped to maintain morale among her fellow prisoners, and also for saving many lives through her intelligence and watchfulness. But did that Japanese POW camp captain get his puppy? He did. Uh, When Judy had puppies, one was given to the camp commandant. As promised, another puppy was smuggled into the women's camp along with any food that the men could spare. Like puppies. Like more, <laughs> more, puppies. more puppies. How come there's no Judy movie? I agree. Like Call what Disney. a what a feel good rough movie. And I skipped over a few things. I'll put a link up to the Wikipedia page on Judy if anybody wants to read the full story. It's pretty incredible. Right. Yeah. No. This is nutty. Yeah. Somebody out there make that movie and make the dog talk. <laughs> and at the very end, in the credits, who would play, special thanks, Caustic Soda. Who would play the voice of the voice of, of Judy dumb, the dog? Of Judy. Uh, oh, would they do it like Dame a- Judy Dench? Of course. Oh, yeah. I'm gonna say Joan Cusack. Oh, mm. I like that choice. A little, uh, little alternative take mm-hmm. on Judy, the Second World War time dog. Oh, you just need somebody who can do an old timey voice. Hey, there, Skipper. <laughs> you, hey, you, you need, are Judy the dog. You need a little piece of flotsam. You had a float on there, don't you? <laughs> Oh, 
about three or four seasons. They're up for sale if you want them. Uh-huh. You don't need to see his identification. I didn't ask to see his identification. These are not the droids you're looking for. Who said we were looking for droids? He can go about his business. All right, fine. He can go about his business. Answer my partner's question. We can go about our business. What are you doing with your hands? Business. Come on, old-timer. Just settle down. Move along. All right, all right. Move along, move along. What the hell is that? Oh, that's old Ben. He's crazier than a shithouse womp rat. Uh, anyway, check out what I got in the mail from Jed's Toy Hut. Oh, man. That's a Phantom Menace electronic battle droid blaster rifle. That's electronic light and sound, light-up barrel and weapon sounds for the movies, light-up laser action, targeting scope, realistic movie styling, made by Hasbro and long out of production, and requires two AA batteries. But you took it out of the package. I, I like playing with my stuff, but if you've four-strangled your inner child and want to keep everything op- unopened, fine. Jet's Toy Hut goes above and beyond to get it to you in tip-top shape. Seven box sizes, hand-packed, and they use whatever it takes to make sure your item never moves. That's awesome. Actually, I think those were the droids we were looking for. What? Hey! Halt! Or shoot! <laughs> Run blaster, man. Business. Toyhut.com. All too easy. In the news. <laughs> December 14th, 2011. So, formerly news. Recently news. Cousins Dina Bungal, 11, and Princess Dian Singh, 3, were walking across the Nunez extension in Zamboang, Philippines, on December 14th, not knowing that a speeding motorcycle was bearing down on them. At the crucial moment, Kabang, the Bungal's family dog, emerged from nowhere His and jumped... His name is Kabang? Kabang. That's awesome. Uh, I do like that. It's a Visayan term that means spotty. Okay. okay, I prefer. So it's the, I like Kabang. <laughs> I prefer the onomatopoeia version. It's like the Filipino version of spot. Well, because the next sound that was made after it jumped into the motorcycle's path was Kabang. <laughs> yeah. Eyewitness Jovito Urpiano said Kabang shielded the two girls from certain harm. Urpiano was in an eatery on his noontime break from driving a tricycle and saw how Kabang stopped the motorcycle from hitting the girls with his body. Well, unfortunately. <laughs> With his head. Oh. The dog's head landed directly on the motorcycle's front wheel, and as it rolled, her snout got stuck in it. Stuck oh. stuck in the Stuck in the, in the wheel. Oh! Flappity, 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 flappity. Thus freed, Kabang ran away as fast as she could and went missing for two weeks. When she finally returned to the family home, she looked a little different, and I'm just going to show you this photo so that you can see what she looked like, Kevin. Oh! Was, Snap. Uh, was the snout stuck in the bike spokes? Yeah, the top snout was stuck in the bike spokes. <laughs> so it's missing the top part of its jaw. So we're definitely putting this picture on the website, causticsodapodcast.com. But if you want to imagine, it looks like it's probably part German Shepherd. Yeah. German Shepherd-ish. Take a German Shepherd. Now open its mouth. Uh-huh. Now that top part that's sticking out, rip that off. Ugh. Like pretty much just to where the eyes are. How is it on a liquid diet now? How does it eat? <laughs> that is a good question. <laughs> yeah. Kabang now uses her paws to eat. Oh. She is back to her old self. So she like shovels food into her. <laughs> to the into, scoop. Into yeah. The, the bottom the, scoop. The <laughs> bottom <laughs> scoop. And then her tongue, I guess, just goes. <laughs> and, Two scoops of flavor. And a little good news. She's now expecting puppies. Oh. I wonder if they'll be born with only yes, the bottom Yes, they bottom will because that's how genetics works. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Kevin. Uh-huh. My dog has no nose. <laughs> how does it smell? Terrible. Put <laughs> 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 New was Zealand, pretty, was awesome. Middlemore, research by... I said that with a disdain, but... <laughs> you don't care about Middlemore care about one way Middlemore. or the other. Research by a hospital emergency nurse has revealed 65 children were so seriously injured by dog bites in the past year. This is 2011. The 65 children in Middlemore, New Zealand? That they were brought from around New Zealand okay. to the hospital, which specializes in plastic surgery for serious facial injuries. Danelle Hugh, W-H-I-U, a charge nurse and dog behaviorist, measured the injuries on the internationally recognized Dunbar dog bite scale. Mm-hmm. Three children sustained level five bites, meaning the dog bit to its full potential repeatedly and as far as the teeth could sink into flesh. These attacks were on a five-year-old girl who was bitten multiple times on the chest and back 
and dragged up the driveway by a neighbor's crossbreed dog. Is it the dingo ate my baby? Is this where we're going with this? An eight-year-old boy who was bitten on the face, arm, chest, and side by a pit bull while playing in a driveway. A 15-year-old boy who suffered big tears and needed hundreds of stitches after being stopped by a police dog after a robbery. Oh, a police dog attack. Nice. But she said the worst attack of all was on an 18-month-old baby who suffered the worst injuries I've seen in my 15 years working in the emergency department. Incredibly, this case was only classified as a level 4 attack, along with 17 other attacks, because the dog just gave the baby a warning bite. Okay. The 18-month-old was bitten by the family's pit bull to get the child away from its food. It was just because of the boy's age and size that there was just so much damage. The 18-month-old baby's injuries were so horrific that it looked as if the pit bull had tried to eat the child. The dog was a beloved family pet, which had never previously shown aggression. Uh, I wonder how beloved it is now. (laughs) The plastic surgeon who worked on the baby said that the family did not wish him to discuss the case, and he respected this wish. So no more gruesome description than what I've already given you. I've got one from today, actually, as we're recording. October 8th, 2012, London, England. Drug dealers are getting dogs hooked on heroin, so they will attack the police, Good according idea. to reports. Now, you would think that they're getting them hooked on heroin so that they get worried they're going to get taken in. <laughs> well, they get hooked on heroin, so they'll start turning tricks? Is that usually how it works? No, what happens is... Uh, <laughs> you can't teach an old dog new tricks, <laughs> but you can teach a heroin addict dog to teach new, new tricks. tricks. Dealers buy a fake uniform and teach the dogs to attack someone wearing it. The Ooh. mirror quoted... There's now, there used to be the old, used to be scared of the junkyard dog. Now you're scared of the junkie dog. Mm-hmm. According to shelter owner Ian Robb, four in every 10 dogs accepted each year at their animal shelter are addicts. Wow. Now, how do you- Four out of 10? Now, how do, do you inject the dog with a needle? I would guess so. How does that work? I would guess so. Dog expert Leslie Connolly says, a dog on heroin will run around to be completely manic. If you approach it, you will definitely get bitten. So I'm not sure how they, why they even bothered to teach them to attack people in fake uniforms. Like just, oh, the cops are here. Run away. Do drug dealers think they're going to beat the cops? I think they just have too much heroin. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That's right. Just brimming over with heroin. Did it with cats, but the cats just acted normal. I think they just hate cops. I think it's just a matter of. And dogs, apparently. (laughs) And dogs. Again, October 8th, 2012, Thane and Kalyan Domvili, India. The menace of dog bites has assumed worrying proportions in Thane and the neighboring townships of Kalyan Domvili as an average of 30 cases of hospitalization and anti-rabies treatments are being reported here every day. 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 30 cases a day. Doctors here said most of those injured are children who are bitten by strays. Those are some bitey ass dogs. Yeah, no kidding. It's like they or, just walk around chomping all the time. Just kids like actually walking the, away. The new fad with kids in India is bacon hats. <laughs> <laughs> or they play this game. Like, you know how you used to play like uh, the, we called it knuckles, but that game where you like have to slap yeah. the other guy's hand or yeah. whatever. Uh, maybe the, the kids in India play like put your arm in the dog's mouth and see how long <laughs> yeah. before it bites you. They're just having fun. The mauling's part of the game. It makes it more intense. Yeah. Statistics with health officials showed that from April to August 2012, as many as 4,669 dog bite cases were reported in the Thane Municipal Corporation limits. Okay, why aren't they culling the stray dog that situation? is a great like, question. Wait, were, are dogs now as holy as cows in India? Did I just miss something? Like Maybe these are kind of the dogs that have the same kind of uh, pattern. They look like, I know my cat looks like a Jersey cow. Maybe the dogs are doing that with dogs, too. I, I think the dogs just don't understand it's supposed to be a dog-eat-dog world. No, not a dog-eat-baby-face-children dog wandering around the street world. Mm-hmm. Public service announcement. How to survive a dog attack. Mm. All right. Most of these are pretty common sense. Uh, kick them in the balls, poke them in the eyes. I call that the Three Stooges defense. Uh, kicking the balls is going to be difficult because those are at the back. Uh-huh. Is that why the judge immediately found you guilty? Because you're using the Three Stooges defense? <laughs> the guy looked at me funny, so I did this. It's not my fault he didn't do that. Precisely. I'm hoping everybody can figure out what I was doing with my hands. <laughs> Number one, avoid the pooch. I mean, you know, don't go near dogs. Mm-hmm. That's going to help out. If you see an unleashed dog ahead of you, walk across the street. Be confident, but not threatening. So like chimps, dogs consider bared teeth and direct eye contact to be confrontational. If you're approached by a dog showing signs of aggression, growling, hackles, barking, stop moving. Running away will only arouse the dog's instinct and make him chase you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Uh, if you've got it's an so hard that's to what not happened. run away though when you're it being is. chased by dogs. That's what happened with Torn and the Chihuahua. He turned his back on him, right? Oh yeah, maybe. Uh-huh. Maybe if I'd stopped and turned and put my had my arms akimbo. Hey, the Chihuahua's going. Hey, 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 hey! Look at me! Look at me, buddy! Look at me! Hey! He's, oh my God! He's not looking at me! He's not looking at me! What the fuck's he done? Boss, why is he? I'm gonna, I'm gonna fucking bite him! I'm gonna fucking, I'm gonna fucking bite this guy's ankle! Okay, I'm, I'm biting his ankle. It's like you were there. <laughs> Tonight, the part of the Chihuahua will be played by Joe Pesci. Fucking sick of biting this guy in the ankle. What the fuck, man? Am I a chihuahua for your amusement? I'm a little dog to you, yapping. <laughs> Try the sit, stop, or stay commands. If this works, it may give you some time to call the attention of its owner. Police dogs are taught their commands in German, and some obedience schools use German commands. So try yelling nein or platz at the angered dog. Really? Uh, yeah. <laughs> okay. pl- what does platz mean? Uh, oh, it means place. So space. So stay there. Stay. Like, stay. Oh, okay. Jam something in its mouth. All right. No, 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 uh, uh, no, no bitey possible if you've got a stick in your mouth. Right. Uh, a good tip for runners who frequently come across aggressive dogs is to run with a drumstick, which is not a turkey leg, but an actual stick that you play <laughs> drums with. Yeah. But what if you get hungry? <laughs> <laughs> That's fair enough. So I'm guessing when they say stick something in its mouth, they don't mean a different appendage than the one it's already attacking. Actually, a wrap across the nose often brings a lot of dogs to their senses. And if not, shoving the stick into the dog's mouth gives it something to bite on besides you. If your hands are empty, offer it an arm, hopefully wrapped in some protection. <laughs> Don't let the dog drag you to the ground where you will be infinitely more vulnerable. There's another thing, infinitely. Infinitely means infinite. Forever. Where you will be a lot more vulnerable. And don't struggle to get your arm free. You will just hurt yourself even more. Uh-huh. So let it have the arm. And then uh, the thing is go on the offensive, poke it in the eyes. So you're yeah, right woo-hoo. on that one. Woo-hoo. I got one. The very nature of a dog attack exposes it to a boot in the throat or a jaw, followed by repeated kickings until it stops struggling. Alternately, if the dog has your arm in, it, in its mouth, the eyes are a vulnerable target. And you handled your chihuahua attack totally wrong. You can also go on the defensive. Dogs' mouths are built to close forcefully, but are not as strong when opening. So similar to how we saw the alligators and the crocodiles where you could hold their jaw shut, you can do the same with the dog mouth. So if you can grab it from the side, you can hold its mouth shut. And all it's okay. then going to do is tear at you with its claws, which aren't that good at doing damage. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, But this is assuming it doesn't already have a part of you in its mouth. Yes. Because if it already has a part of you in its mouth, clamping its jaw shut <laughs> right. might be counter to your eventual goal. Yeah, I'm not saying clamp its mouth shut while it's biting in your arm. Okay. That would probably be a bad idea. Yeah. Okay, good. I thought I had that right. Pop culture? Yes. Cujo, 1983. Who's seen it? I have. A friendly St. Bernard named Cujo contracts rabies and conducts a reign of terror on a small American town. Mm-hmm. What did you think of the movie? It wasn't bad. It's not great. I mean, the uh, the parts where uh, um, a main character is trapped in her car at the farmhouse right. is uh, pretty horrifying. You know, you can imagine being in that same situation and <laughs> not really seeing any way out, right? I don't know. I with that whole how to protect yourself PSA we just did. I feel pretty confident about protecting myself from a dog. If you have, right. if you're in a car, especially. Oh well, well, yeah, but her yeah. car didn't work. Oh right. Like I, dogs worry me when there's more than one, because then they'll start using that pack instinct, and one will get behind me, and it doesn't matter how good I am at kicking one in the throat. Yeah. I'm in big trouble then. But yeah, one dog, I don't know. Cujo, I, again, I haven't seen it. Maybe it's played up really well and, and it actually well, is scary. But... And the main character is like a 95-pound woman and Cujo is like, you know, a 195-pound dog. Okay, right? fair enough. So so that would be like a 300-pound dog. What, what was the Zorbo? Zorba? Yeah. That would be like that one coming at me. Yeah. Yeah, I'd probably be scared of that. Okay. Five St. Bernards were used, one mechanical head, and a guy in a dog costume. Oh, to make this really? Movie. Yeah. Seamless. Yeah, I remembered job. hearing that they just couldn't get the St. Bernard to be vicious enough on camera, so they had to use a costume. Is that? And the dogs in the film would often have their tails tied down to their legs because the dogs would be enjoying themselves so much <laughs> they would wag their tails during filming. <laughs> yeah, because, of course, how you get a dog to perform on camera is yep. to the, the whole, like, you know, action and reward thing. Like, they learn how to snarl, but they don't snarl because they're angry. Yeah. You just, and then you're giving them, like, bacon out of your pocket the whole time, right? Yeah. So they're having a gay old time, right? Hound of the Baskervilles? Uh, probably one of the best known uh, Sherlock Holmes stories mm-hmm. of them all. Yeah. I mean, if you're going to ask anybody to name a Sherlock Holmes story, that's got to be top three, right? When and, 
When a nobleman is threatened by a family curse on his newly inherited estate, Detective Sherlock Holmes is hired to investigate, Mm -hmm. is the basic plot. It's all about, you know, local superstition, and there are these, like, basically hellhounds that have cursed the family, and, uh, you know, they come from, when the fog rolls in, they come in and kill people, and uh, and it's a supernatural thing, and of course, Sherlock Holmes ends up, spoiler alert, debunking it all, and finding the logical explanation and the plot behind it. Its hellish appearance was acquired by means of phosphorus Mm -hmm. in the story. Yes. And this was also uh, a series of movies and TV shows. Did they they put the phosphorus on the dog? I guess so. Mm -hmm. Wouldn't that burn it? Maybe. Well, I think more, more like phosphorescence. Oh, okay. Yeah. And in the film, the 1959 film with Peter Cushing and Christopher Lee, the hound they used was a real dog called Colonel. On the set before the hound attacks Christopher Lee's character, Sir Henry Baskerville, they could not get Colonel to jump on Lee, so they started to prod him into action. <laughs> Lee gave up, and suddenly Colonel lunged on him and bit right through one of his arms. <laughs> oh, nice. Oh, man. Yeah. Nice. So they might have prodded one too many times, Yeah, maybe. Uh, let's go on method. That's, uh, that dog went method. I have uh, a list from io9, the five most absurdly evil dogs to ever terrorize film. Oh, okay. io9.com. I don't think I've seen any of these. Oh, well, there's the thing. Number five, Zoltan, Hound of Dracula. Mm -hmm. Okay. (laughs) This is a movie I actually kind of want to (laughs) see. Dracula's dog is buried in Russia with his vampiric she-servant. Yes, Dracula bit the dog to complete the transformation. Yes, the woman is the dog's servant. After construction workers disrupt Zoltan's tomb 200 years later, Zoltan goes to America to seek out Dracula's last living human relative. Along the way, Zoltan transforms numerous pets into vampires, effectively creating a gang of quadruped Nosferatu. That is awesome. Yeah, we are going to have to see that. <laughs> what year is this from? 1978. Of course. Of course. If I couldn't, I'll have already, if I didn't know, I should have guessed. From 1993, Man's Best Friend. Oh, this is the one with Ali Sheedy and Lance Henriksen. That's right. The wow. sullen girl from the Breakfast Club adopts a genetically modified Tibetan Mastiff that escaped from Lance Henriksen's lab. The Mastiff is extremely protective of Ali Sheedy and kills almost everything in his path, including her boyfriend and an unlucky cat. The official tagline was, Nature created him, science perfected him, but no one can control him. Oh, yeah. <laughs> nice. 2004 Rottweiler. So this is kind of like, actually, that man's best friend sounds like it's Cujo inside out, right? Like everybody who comes near in Cujo, anybody who comes near the dog needs to fear for their life. In this one, anybody near Ali Sheedy has to fear for their life, right? It's what if Cujo liked one person? Yeah. Okay. I guess so. There there you go. Yeah. From 2004 Rottweiler. The naked protagonist spends a good portion of the film exposing his genitalia to the audience as a cybernetic dog chases him through Spain's immigration containment zone in the year 2018. Oh, wow. Yep, that's the plot. Nice. (laughs) So a lot of dick and balls. (laughs) Yeah. Did I mention I'd be nude for this? I can do nude if you want nude. You want nude? I'll go nude. How would I be nude for this one? I wonder if there's a shot where the camera's like behind the dog and you and the guy's running away from him and you could see the dog's cock and balls and you can see the dude's cock and balls oh. like kind of uh, stacking up. Tandem. Composition. That's what that's right, called. That's right. called glorious composition. <laughs> then, of course, there's the dog from The Thing, 1982. Oh, jo- yeah. Yeah, that was good. John Carpenter's horror classic kicks off with a bunch of Norwegian scientists chasing a sled dog across the Antarctic plain in a helicopter. Okay. The dog makes it to an American research station where one deranged Norwegian is shot and the other accidentally blows himself up with thermite. Mm -hmm. Oops. You know, I don't know if I've ever seen the thing all the way through. Are you fucking shitting me? I'm not. Here's the deal. 82, like in the 80s, I didn't like horror movies at all. I was very squeamish about a lot of things. Remember we talked about blood and I had to get over that? So I got over it, but I did, th- didn't then go back and watch all the old horror movies that I right. hadn't watched. Well, this is one of the all-time greats. I, I mean, I'm not This isn't my top two of horror films. Yeah, okay. I wasn't going to suggest that you go back and watch like Sleepaway Camp or something, <laughs> right? Like you should go back and watch freaking okay. The Thing, though. I, I will. And the number one uh, ridiculously, absurdly evil dog to terrorize film is 1978's Devil Dog, The Hound of Hell. Ooh. An innocent-looking fruit vendor sells a family a puppy. A satanic puppy. Fruit vendor. Wrap your skull around that. The dog kills their pious maid and transforms the entire family into devil worshippers. <laughs> the father goes to Ecuador to find a mystical weapon to destroy the dog. Uh, so it's, 
it's a hound of hell or it's actually got the devil inside of it or does he have a cowl and a pitchfork and devil, oh my goodness i hope so devil dog cackle. the hound of hell pretty boring looking poster uh, okay. it's a scared looking kid and a dog barking hmm. all right but every single the movie is gonna the entire movie is gonna be kind of like every this, single letter in the word devil in the logo has horns on it oh nice that's good use of that font. is yeah. grade a design <laughs> I like that it's got horns, but it needs more. More horns. <laughs> more horns. No, this dog is really devilish. Yeah. How about Lockjaw from the comics? He was a superhero dog. He was kind of a superhero. Yeah. Although I yeah. think he occasionally got mind control, as all superheroes do, mind control. Probably. He had the power. He was one of the uh, Inhumans. Yep. Yeah. He could teleport. And yep. he could teleport, yeah, with his little tuning fork on his forehead. They had the Jack Kirby, it would glow, and then yep. it would just wink out of existence. And I do remember there was one where he, there was a, a comic where he talked, and the hint was he's not actually a dog. He's like just a an inhuman that looks like a dog. I think that's right. true. He was also in the Pet Avengers, which I bought issue number one. The Pet of Avengers? last year, I believe it was. Okay. Yeah, it's got uh, Lockheed the Dragon from X-Men and some other animals. And uh, the Toad Thor. There was a Frog Thor. Really? From some comic somewhere. Oh, right? yes. okay. So they're bringing all the what pets <laughs> of all the different... Uh. I thought <laughs> I'm surprised got... they didn't have Ms. Lion from Spider-Man and Amazing Friends, that stupid <laughs> dog. That... Firestar. She has a pet dog named Ms. Lion. Ms. Lion. So, Pet Avengers. The Pet Avengers. Well, It was so good, I didn't buy the second one. <laughs> uh, in the exact opposite vein, something we were speaking about right before we started recording, We Three. We Three, great comic. Really good comic. These are like cyborg animals? Yeah, it's a, it's a three-issue miniseries by Grant Morrison, and the artist is uh, Frank Quitely. Is it Quitely? Yeah, that's not his real name, but yeah, that's that's his comic book name. Right, okay. And it's kind of in this kinetic style that they call Western manga. No, I like the art in it. Yeah, oh, I think the art's fantastic. But it's you can definitely see why people call it that kind of kinetic Western manga. Like, it's very action-oriented. What it is, it's about these three animals that have been taken by the government or some mysterious evil black operation, and they've taken a dog who looks like just a regular old lovely little rover, yeah. just a regular orange tabby house cat, and then somebody's pet bunny, Yeah, and put them in these murderous robotic suits, Yeah, where you can still see basically their heads sticking out of the top of it, and they've kind of got quadrupedal bodies that are controlled, and they've been given them brain implants so they can kind of talk, yeah. like the dog goes- But in the only the most rudimentary right. sense. Me, good dog? Yeah. Like- and it, but it's so heartbreaking because yeah. these dog, these animals just want to do well, good and be good. But at the same time, they're running around killing people all over the place. Yeah, mm. yeah, it's uh, it's very caustic and really yeah. well done. Yeah, and has a really good beginning, middle, and end. Like this is not an ongoing thing. This is a story that Grant Morrison needed to tell, and he did, and I think did a great job. Uh, I think like, we can put up a page or two from it that we can see on CausticSortOfPodcast dot com. You can take a look at what the art looks like, but definitely check it out if you can. Yeah. I recommend it highly. I uh, rewatched a bunch of episodes of Wilfred, which is it was originally oh. it was originally an Australian uh, comedy TV show. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was remade. It's a series. It's, a series. Uh, it's it's had two seasons in America now. It only had two seasons in Australia. The show follows a young man named Ryan, played by Elijah Wood. Frodo, Mm -hmm. and his neighbor's dog, Wilfred, played by Jason Gann. In the opening episode, Ryan concocts a drug cocktail in order to commit suicide. After this failed attempt, Ryan's neighbor, Jenna, knocks on his door to ask him to look after her dog, Wilfred, for the day. Ryan is taken aback as he sees Wilfred as a tall, verbose Australian man wearing a gray dog suit, while everyone else views Wilfred as just a regular dog. Oh, it's the crazy serum that makes him see the dog this way? Well, or maybe his mind is now un- unhinged he, yeah. and okay. he's now hallucinating. Or, it's not like right. a they live thing where he's... No, where he's seeing where the true nature. Where all dogs are like this. Yeah, no, no. no. He, he sees other dogs as dogs. Okay. He plays it as like a total, total real dog. Like if a real dog were able to stand and talk, it's only, it's a sociopath. It's only interested in itself. It will, it will be cute and manipulative as long as that gets it what it wants. And he's also like brilliant. Like he's so good at manipulating this Ryan character into getting what he wants. And then he finds out he's manipulated and gets mad. And then the dog points out, well, I did this for your own good, which isn't exactly true. And they spend a lot of time just sitting around smoking weed 
and uh, avoiding doing anything. It's it's really funny. It goes way over the line, like constantly. It like draws. It goes here's the line, and then it just jumps over it very gleefully. Yeah. Uh, Wilfred has uh, a giant stuffed bear that he names Bear that he's constantly fornicating with. Uh, of course, and like yeah. not just that be- happens. Like and that's exactly what happens. It is, but. It's not, he doesn't see it. Ryan doesn't see it as the dog just, you know, humping the back of it, desperately humping. Like he puts Bear down gently on the table. <laughs> and makes sweet spreads love. Spreads her it. legs over. <laughs> oh, yeah. This is Here it comes, happen. baby. This is going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> it's hilarious. Like, nice. I don't know why it's hilarious. If it was a guy doing that, you would just be like, this guy's a total creep and a loser, and why would anybody be friends with him? It's because the dog suit that he's wearing looks like it cost about a dollar fifty. I know, right? Like that's where the comedy lies. Like if he actually kind of appeared like a dog, and uh, in any way, shape, or form, it would not be nearly as comedic as it is. You can buy the official Wilford dog costume for a hundred bucks. Oh well, that, you're overpaying. I agree. You can probably <laughs> find a cheaper one for half that. Mm-hmm. Probably my favorite dog on TV right now is. Jake from Adventure Time. Oh, Adventure mm-hmm. Time again. Who is a shape-shifting dog in what appears to be the post-apocalyptic future. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, he's a shape-shifter. He can turn into anything he wants. He's ridiculously powerful. Voiced uh, by John DiMaggio. Voiced by John DiMaggio. Mm-hmm. Uh, just funny, great character. I, I love Adventure Time, man. I could just watch it all the time. I should have it running on a loop in my house on the TV when we're not watching anything else. Got That's it. how much fun Adventure Time is. Torn, did you ever have dog meat as your companion in Fallout 3? Oh, yes, absolutely. What's dog, dog meat? Dog meat is the name of... Okay, so Fallout 3, the post-apocalyptic uh, role-playing shooter that Torn and I both love desperately. I actually started playing it for the fourth time yesterday. Oh, really? <laughs> and I picked up dog meat, the dog. And dog meat is not... I got confused because not only is dog meat your friend, but you also, when you kill vicious dogs or kill someone else and take their stuff or go to a store and buy stuff, you can get dog meat as well. Oh, you can order dog, yeah. dog you can, meat. You can eat dog meat. You can eat dog's can name dog meat is as, dog yeah. meat. Right. In, in the game, it's dog space meat, uh-huh. and the dog's name is dog meat, all one word. And uh, how does it help you? He's Okay, so you, well, he's you pick like, up companions, people who, who journey with you while you're going through this wasteland. Uh-huh. Most of which are virtually invulnerable for most of the game. Okay. Like, you can't really come up across a great many things that are g- going to take down your companion. So it's very useful to have... Well, especially especially with the Broken Steel add-on. This is what I found out. Before they released the Broken Steel DLC, oh, yeah? Dogmeat was quite fragile. Oh, okay. Uh, but after it, he's almost invulnerable. The only problem I have with Dogmeat is if I tell him to go, because you can go, you can tell him to go and find food and ammo and right. stuff for you. Oh, okay. And sometimes he'll so take off so and then the- he just never comes back. <laughs> well, yeah, he can take a week to come back. Yeah. That's right. Because you tell him to go find something and the game goes, well, now he's going to have to go look and he'll just go look and there's nothing nearby. So it gives him travel time to find it. And then eventually he makes his way back to wherever you are. So this is just a virtual go fetch. Mm-hmm. He's, he also fights, does combat. Uh, can he carry things? I never no. picked him up in Fallout 3. No, the other guys can. And that ended up being the most useful trait of anybody for me in Fallout 3 as a companion. Is, it, uh, is this environment like one of those sort of Australian, super flat, long, arid wastelands? Like, do you see your dog running away for three straight days or something? <laughs> There's, there, there are portions that are quite flat. It's, it's pretty rocky. It's the Washington, D.C. area. Okay. So, so there's, right. there's hills and valleys and things. But you can, there's not a lot of trees. Because right. nature's been Decimated. messed over by the giant oops or whatever they call it in Fallout. He's the post-apocalyptic warrior's best friend. It's such a weird feeling to know you're alive. It's such an awful feeling. You're dying inside, and when you wake up, startled to say, "I hope I don't go crazy today." It's such a bad feeling, an ominous feeling, a feeling you know that. We'll be back when the week is new And we'll have more gross facts for you And you'll have things you want to hear about We will too 
Caustic Soda was recorded by Mike Leeson while he was receiving maggot therapy. To comment on episodes, make a donation, see show notes, links, and videos, visit causticsodapodcast.com. Rate and review us on iTunes. Visit us on Facebook. Email us at info at causticsodapodcast.com. The menace of dog bites has assumed worrying proportions in Thane and the neighboring townships of Kalyan Domzilia. You said <laughs> Did I say townships? Yes, you did. Let's put that at the end like we did <laughs> with Kevin's. Hello. Let's put everything at the end, actually. <laughs>